Let's see, what, what letter are we studying tonight? Philippians. I can always count on Janie to tell me where we are. Philippians chapter 2 is where we are. We've gotten down to the, the latter part of chapter 2, and this, I think, is one of the most personal communications that we'll find in Paul's letters anywhere. And we'll read it and, and talk about it, and you can see for yourself. I'm sure you've already developed an opinion about it, an attitude, a, a, uh, a view. So that's what we need to do with every word, is develop a, uh, a view of it so it'll help us make a difference in our lives. So I need one reader to get us started. Chapter 2, verses 19 to 30. Who would like to read that text? Chapter 2 of Philippians, 19 to 30. Anybody feel like, oh, it's a Corey. All right. like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Thank you very much, Corey. All right, where is Paul? Oh. NIV. New International. Where's Paul writing from? Prison. He's in prison. What's that? Oh, I... I I thought I missed part of the answer. Almost certainly in Rome, and he's sending this letter, of course, to the church at Philippi, and he's including in this letter the fact that he's going to do what? He's going to send Timothy. So what would they have probably figured out by the time they get the letter? Who would bring the letter? Timothy. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. Now, it sounds like the letter's coming by Timothy. Maybe, maybe not, but he is sending Timothy so that I may also be encouraged when I learn of your condition. So what's he expecting to have happen? He's going to get a report. He's going to send Timothy at some point. Maybe, maybe he's including in this letter that, that I'm, I'm, as I'm writing this, I'm hoping to send Timothy, and maybe he sends this by Timothy's hand. But at any rate, Epaphroditus is going to come back. Who's Epaphroditus? He's a member at Philippi. And he's, he's accompanying Paul, and he's a member at Philippi, and he's sending him back. So he says, of Timothy, I have, verse 20, no other 
no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. What's that say about Timothy? Trusting. He trusts Timothy. This is the guy who cares about you. And I don't have anybody else who cares about you the way he cares about you. And I'm sending him so that I can get a report back from him. If you look at the map, as the crow flies, it would be about 800 miles. So he's going to send Timothy at some point to get a report back from Timothy. And that's no small feat. Now, that's as the crow flies. You didn't travel in those days as the crow flew. And even today, you get in an airplane, and usually they go somewhere else. But, but you get there in a matter of hours still in an airplane, hopefully. It might be a lot of hours. But we're talking days and weeks, this kind of travel, and often perilous. Bud? The way we travel now is completely different than the way they travel. Mm. But when you start talking about this is what we're going to do and this is the message to them and when I'm going to accept, expect the message to come back, you're talking about six months to a year. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if, you're walk, if you're walking, and that's what they were doing. They were walking. You know. And that, that's what they're used to, this kind of talk. It's like when I go to Canton and, uh, and my buddy out there says we're, you're going to have to bring your family out sometime. And I said, well, they don't want to drive two hours to come out to Canton. And he says, well, we drive two hours to get anywhere. It's like it doesn't mean anything if you live out there because that's, that's just what you know and what you expect because you're out there. But for people who live where things are closer, we're not used to that. So he's sending Timothy. And he says in verse 22, you know of his proven worth. How do they know of Timothy's proven worth? Do you remember one of our first sessions? Where was where do we read about the establishment of the church in Philippi? In Acts chapter 16. And in Acts 16, well, go back there, just catch up a little bit. I want you to to get a get a feel have an understanding here. Chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, son of a Jewish woman, who was a believer, but his father was a Greek, well spoken of by the brethren who in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So this is Acts telling us about Paul meeting and enlisting Timothy's services. And the next place we see him going is to Macedonia because he got the Macedonian vision. Come over and help us. So they go to Macedonia. They wind up in Philippi, preach the gospel to Lydia, preach the gospel to the jailer, and church is established. Timothy was there. He was there at the beginning. So when Paul writes this letter and he says, you know him, his proven worth, that's because they, they know him. He's been there among them. He served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. What's that mean? He's in prison. 
and he didn't know what the outcome was going to be. He's talked about the, the possibility of being poured out like an offering. So he he's, seems to be referencing the possibility of his death. Maybe that's how this prison sentence is going to end. But however it ends, he doesn't know yet, and he's waiting. It's the court system of that day, or apparently just like the court system of today. Everything moves slow, and you got to wait. you got to have 20 different lawyers. Nothing against lawyers, but they're lawyers. Yes. Third chapter, 10th verse, it says, he's talking to Timothy, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, out of them all the Lord delivered me. So he was with him with one all Excellent text to read from. Glad to have you back, by the way, Bobby. Yeah. Jesus choosing the apostles, then them following him and emulating, like when Paul only with Paul choosing Timothy, he gives me that same And and he didn't just pick anybody. He picked this young man because he was well spoken of the brethren and, and then he goes to prove himself. And that's what Paul has to say about him here writing to the Philippians and says, You you know this about him. So this is his uh, his word of commendation to people who already know he's to be commended. Verse 24, I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. Now there's something I find interesting about that statement. If you think about it, God has not told Paul what's going to happen next. We might think, well, he was an apostle of Jesus. Yes, chosen out of due season, as the phraseology says. But he doesn't know what's going to happen. God hasn't come down and said, Paul, don't worry about it. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to have you out of here or whatever. Nothing, none of that. How's Paul living? He's living by faith. He's living by faith. So what we see him doing in this circumstance is what we need to emulate to live by faith. He's in prison. He's got hopes and plans and aspirations for the future, but he doesn't know if any of that's going to work out. And that's where we are. We are in our own prisons, so to speak. Various circumstances we're involved in in our lives that seem to have us hemmed in, and we don't know what the outcome is going to be. But if we keep our faith in God, whatever the outcome is, it'll be all right. Because we'll be with him, he'll be with us. And that's the bottom line, seemed to be with regard to, to Paul's outlook on the whole situation. He's learned to be content. Now, you can't know that because that's in chapter 4. Absolutely. How do we have the letter to the church at Philippi? He wrote it while he was in prison. Woe is me. He could have. What was he and Silas doing in Philippi, by the way, when they were in prison? They were singing. Singing praises to God. It wasn't. A, what's that song we sing? It sounds so 
Farther along we'll know all of it. It's not a bad song. I mean, you look at the words, it's an excellent message. It's just the music makes it sound like, oh, just shoot me now. It, but Because I, I think of that song, and if you ever get a song leader, like when I was a kid, we had some song leaders that were kind of slow, and it was like, it just takes forever to get through that song. It sounds like I just, I'm, I wasn't depressed beginning, but now I'm depressed. But that's not, they were singing praises. When you think of a song of praise, you think of a song that's, that's upbeat and fills you with joy and with life and with hope. And, and uh, that's, that's what they were doing. So he's, he's got joy and he's got hope and he's got life and he's planning to go see them. So he says in verse 25, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need. When, when they sent him funds to support him, Epaphroditus is the guy that brought those funds. He's from Philippi. There's an irony that I see at the cross right after the crucifixion when the, the centurion, and it doesn't say this specifically, but I imagine as a centurion he's seen plenty of combat. He's an experienced soldier and soldiering wasn't see your enemy 100 yards off and put your crosshair on him and pull the Soldiering was up close and personal, and you got bloody and you got sweaty, and there was gore and there was smell. It was awful. And this centurion saw Jesus die for six hours. And what did he say at the conclusion? Truly, this was the Son of God. That centurion had his eye focused on Jesus, and that's what we need to do all the time. Focus on Christ. Sometimes we get focused on on churchy stuff or religious stuff. And I, and I don't say churchy stuff to in any way, shape, or form demean the church. The church is his bride, and we'd better honor her. But, but I think you know what I'm talking about. We get wrapped up in things, and, and our focus comes away from Christ, and, and we get lost. It's kind of like when you eat junk food, and you just kind of feel blah. And then you, you fast a little while, and then you eat some good food, and it, it comes back. That's what happens when you start focusing on Christ again. Everything lines up again. Billy? He said, true, this is the Son of God. He had to think about that, ponder on that, that this man has been accused of this. He's died for this. Now I believe he is this. And, and here's Paul. He was persecuting the church. And now he's met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and here he is in prison for the cause of Christ, writing to the church and saying, hang tight, hang tough. And he's sending back their man, Epaphroditus, who was, uh, what's it say here? He was longing for you all, verse 26, and was distressed. Why was he distressed? Because he was sick? Sick for them. Read it. It's fascinating what he says. He was distressed 
Because you had heard that he was sick. What's that mean? Was he worried about himself? He was worried about them. My brothers are going to be worried about me. I, I need to let them know I'm okay. Sometimes people put their hand on my shoulder and they go, Marty, you doing okay? And it's like, there's something wrong. Have you heard something I haven't heard? It. I feel great. Yeah. No, I'm fine. And, and Epaphroditus is not fine, but he wants his brothers in Christ at Philippi to be okay. And then Paul says this about him. He was sick. How sick was he? To the point of death. But God had mercy on him and not on him only. And, and this is the way it is. When you love somebody and things turn out all right for them, it's a blessing to them. But who else is it a blessing to? It's a blessing to you because you care. Therefore, he says in verse 28, I have sent him all the more eagerly so that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him there in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard. Last Sunday I talked about what is a man. This is a text that helps define what is a man. A man who lives out this kind of character in his life, this kind of integrity, this kind of reputation because of his, his care for the church and his relationship with them is such that Paul says of him, hold him and men like him in high regard. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. What does that mean? He picked up the slack. Okay, he, he brought the funds. It's like another installment was, was necessary and he brought it. So I don't know if maybe there was a, a numerical commitment of support, but they would have maybe said, we'll, we'll give you this amount. But we don't have it all now, so we'll, we'll send it to you as we get it, and maybe that's how that worked out. But at any rate, there was a, an expectation of support from them, and Epaphroditus brought that. And he brought it, of course, at risk to his own life. All right, any questions about chapter 2? Can you believe we finished chapter 2? All right, let's start in chapter 3. I need two readers to get us started. I need somebody for chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Anybody want to do that? 1 through 6. Oh, Jamie, all right. And then 7 through 16. Who wants to read 7? All right, D.W. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of mutilation. For we are the circumcision, who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is the law blameless. But whatsoever gains to me, I not consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surprising worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to find, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Two more, 15 and 16. All of us, then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that to God will make it clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Very good. Thank you all for reading. How many times in this brief letter does Paul talk about either joy or rejoicing? Just over and over. Well, over and over, maybe 16, 17 times, you, you go do your own count, you'll find it a number of times. That idea comes up. And so he's, it's interesting, this is what we would call halfway through. And he says, finally. It's like, wait a minute, aren't you going to say that at the end? It's, it's, this is going to be a long sign-off. Finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord. And then he makes an interesting statement. To write the same things is no trouble to me. And some translations add in, in, what's the word, italics, uh, again, to write the same things again. What does that imply? Or what could that imply? Okay. Is it possible that he's written to them before? It's very possible. And, and don't let anybody tell you, oh, well, if he's written to them before and we don't have that letter, then the New Testament must be missing something. No. No, not necessarily. We know there was a, a letter to the church at Corinth, at least one prior to 1 Corinthians, because he talks about it when he, when he writes to them. But don't let anybody convince you of that. We, we have what we need in the present New Testament as it stands. So however he means that, he's writing about things, and he says, it's no problem to write about this again. I need to warn you again. And what's he warn them about? Dogs. What's he mean by dogs? What's he mean by evil workers? He means dogs, evil workers, the false circumcision. What What did your translation have there, Jamie? Uh, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. The mutilation. So circumcision was an honorable thing. It was a sign of a covenant between God and man. But mutilation, that's... That's not the same. And I don't think he's talking about the quality of the circumcision physically. He's talking about this stand-in for truth being a mutilation. Just like when, when Peter wrote about the writings of Paul and he said that 
Beware, because there are those who twist or rest the scriptures to their destruction. This is a twisting. It's not the true circumcision. For we are the true circumcision, who worship in the spirit of God and the glory of Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Oh, wait a minute. Is circumcision a part of the covenant that Jesus gave us through his blood? You've got to wait for Colossians. Because in Colossians chapter 2, he writes about the circumcision that's made without hands. It's made without hands. God has brought us into his covenant through his son's blood. And that's what he's talking about, the true circumcision. Everything in the old covenant was a shadow of the reality that was in Christ and the church. You look at the priesthood, it was just a shadow, no matter how formal it was. And if you've ever been in Bobby's class about the tabernacle, you, you saw the detail of all the clothing that the priest wore, and not just the clothing, but the preparation for the clothing, and the, the washings and everything that went into that. And you'd think, boy, that's really important stuff. No, that's just a shadow. It's important, but it's just a shadow. The reality is what's coming down the pike. The Passover lamb was a shadow of the reality that's Christ. And that's what Paul's talking about here. We are, being the church, we are the reality. We are the circumcision. Who worship, how? In the spirit of God. What did Jesus say about that? God's looking for true worshipers. Those who worship, how? In spirit and in truth. Going back to John chapter 24. He was answering the Samaritan woman's question. She had questions. You must be a prophet. Let me ask you a question. What was her question? We, we worship in Mount Gerizim and you guys worship in Jerusalem. Who's right? And Jesus very nicely said to her, y'all don't know what you're doing. That's what he said. I mean, you go back and look at, he said, you don't know what you worship. We worship according to the law, according to the truth. Now that would change. But the reality of, of worship in Jerusalem was what God had set up. But that was part of the and I know we're not studying Galatians, but Paul wrote in Galatians, the law was a tutor, a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Because Christ is the reality. He's always the reality. And that's what he's talking about here. And he, and he talks about this false circumcision, the, the mutilation. And he says in verse 4, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. And then what does he do? He lists all of his Jewish accomplishments, everything that made him a big muckety-muck in the Pharisee world and in the Sanhedrin and in Jerusalem and among Judaism as Judaism had become not so much the religion of God anymore but the traditions of men as Jesus spoke about them in, in Matthew chapter 15. So here's all his Accolades. Circumcised the eighth day. Of, what's the significance of the eighth day? That's according to the law. 
Yeah, circumcised on the eighth day. So he was born into this of the nation of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Is he proud of that? Not proud of that. But he's trying to tell us this is what he did. And if you're looking for accolades in the flesh, this is where it goes and it's not good. As to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Blameless under the law. Blameless, he's trying to make the point that if you looked at me back then, you would have said, this is the highest guy you could have in Judaism because of all of his accomplishments and all of his letters. And, and everything, if you were going to introduce him as a speaker, boy, you just have to go through all this. And it's kind of like, remember that rich young ruler came to Jesus and what did Jesus tell him first? To keep, keep the law, keep the commandments. And what did the young man say? Oh, I've done that for my youth. And then Luke writes, <laughs> Jesus rolled his eyes. <laughs> No, he didn't, but it's like, come on. And then that's kind of where Paul is, but he's making the point. When you look at the law, there wasn't anything that you could have found about me that wouldn't or that would condemn me under the law. He's, he may be exaggerating a bit, but, but he's trying to present his picture. I thought the whole point of the law was to reveal that you couldn't be righteous under the law to reveal sin. That's what he says in Romans chapter 2. If you go to Romans 2, he, he makes this point here. It's, that's why I think this is, this is kind of a, a hyperbole. Now, why did I go here? Righteous, which, righteous, is that why when your righteousness, which is of the law? Verse 17. Oh, I know what it was. It was chapter 3. Duh. Chapter 3, verse 19. This is Romans, by the way, chapter 3, verse 19. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So he makes this point in Romans. This is a, a very important point. Because he's going to say in verse 23, all have sinned and come fall, or fall short of the glory of God. That you can't be perfect by the law. So what he's saying in, in the letter to the Philippians is, as far as people would look at me, if these guys want to brag about their accolades, pff, me far more than them. Yes. Right. Especially Wednesday night folks. What what we if someone Sunday, we come Wednesday, we come Wednesday night and then all of a sudden what, what's the deal with saying, Man, these guys are coming, what am I gonna do? Let them yeah. get them working their way in. Let them think right. we're probably gonna make it because they're doing this and this and this. And we start thinking that way because we forget that we're supposed to be looking at Christ crucified. And how do we do that? We look at ourselves in comparison to God's word in the light to see how far short the glory we're following. Yeah, we're back to the centurion. We're looking at our sins very deeply. We're like, 
we do that, that's okay because now we're confessing our sins, which that's the promise. If we confess our sins, he's just and faithful to forgive us of our sins. When we don't be afraid to look at our sins, we'll never fall in the trap of what religious performance are. I'm coming Monday and I'm coming. Man, I do stuff on Tuesday night with people. I do this on Thursday night. I do that. You know, I think I'm going to make it. Well, that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. We've got to see our sins. Got to talk to the Lord about it. And don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of saying, like you say, Lord, I'm sorry for being sorry all the time. That's <laughs> okay. That's good. That's what he wants to hear. He said, Yeah, now you're seeing my glory, my honor, my holiness, my majesty. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we dive into it and say, Oh, goody, we get to do it. But that means that we need to look at it. And that's what he's saying here. That's how I relate it to us today. I have trouble because these guys are always being persecuted. And I'm like, Man, I'm, we're out. We're going to have motion on our job. These guys are never thinking they're going to become something in their society. Yeah. We're all, in our society here, in this day and age, we're always thinking way different than these people. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure what's going to happen if, if it really did fall to the point where i got to go to jail. I'm going to have to start. I hope I get the word so I can reread it while I'm there, you know, because I'm going to forget this stuff, you know. Anyway. Uh, keep preaching. Preach on. It's just, uh, I've had so many Lord's Suppers, I know I'm okay. Uh, isn't that the way we think sometimes? Yeah, I, I haven't missed a Sunday in mm, I don't know how long. Yeah. Exactly. And beaten, and we shouldn't be put up there in front of everybody. Yeah. Everybody yelling at us, you sinner. You're naked in front of everybody, stripped naked. Crucifying. Crucifying, and we should die as soon as we sin. I mean, we should. We understand that we're not going to fall. We're getting out. We're counting on Christ crucifying. That's why that centurion is, to me, that's it right there. He's, he watches Jesus. He focuses on Jesus, and he says, this, this is the Son of God. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be, but I'm not. Just relax. It's almost like peace that passes understanding, uh, which you can't know about that because that's in chapter 4. No. So, getting ahead of myself here so it's your fault I'll blame you for it dude. so verse 7 whatever things were gained to me those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ that's what Don's talking about if I understand what he's saying more than that I count all things to be lost in view of of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. Now think about what he's saying in this phraseology. I count all things to be loss. Does that mean he's, he's going to stop eating? He's going to stop wearing clothes? He's going to stop receiving funds? Well, no, he's receiving funds. We know that. He just said that. Jamie? And this, it's helpful to keep that in mind because 
I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll, I'll look around and I'll see somebody else and I think, man, they're outstanding. They really have it together. They're doing great. I, I'm not doing as well as they are. They've done this and this and this. And look at me, man. I, oh, I've, I should just crawl in a hole and dry up because I haven't done what they've done. And Paul is saying all of that is loss. All the things that you would look at in this world. Everybody at some point is going to stand before God and his son Jesus Christ. And the only thing he's going to be looking for, are you covered with my son's blood? That's it. He doesn't care if we've wisely prepared for our financial futures. He doesn't care if we've got a car that is the car that we ought to have. He doesn't care how many fish I've caught or how many deer I've killed. I used to. I don't anymore. It's like you get to a point where... Why was I worried about that? Personally, I, I think of it often because I'm, I'm a very dominant, abrasive person and I have accolades. But as I've gotten older and I'm, I'm watching this kid of mine grow, I don't want him to act a certain way. It doesn't matter if he goes out and wins a national pig show or if he gets last place at a local show. It doesn't matter. What matters is he's good, he's kind. The characteristics of Christ. Yes. Yes. And, and me growing up with amazing parents, but I know I'm stubborn and hard-headed, and I want glory. I shall be a Klingon and have honor. Right? <laughs> but it, 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 Too much Star Trek. It's something I think of often, that it see me, but I don't need a monument, because my monument is my life. Right. Billy? It reminds me of the fact that uh, what would profit man be gained the whole world lost his soul. Right. The value of the whole world is not compared to what Christ says to us. As Christians and believers, there's more value than that when you look at it that way. And I, I don't want to take anything away from anybody, but you, you take some Hollywood star that's been in movies that you're impressed with and you, you just love their ability. I think, for example, one of my favorite uh, movies is big country it's a big gregory peck charlton heston burl ives i mean you talk of chuck connors you talk about some big names in hollywood history and in western wow those guys are great but on judgment day none of that will count anything for those guys god's gonna oh you were in big country oh man that was you paid a great part i'm gonna put you down for heaven right now no it doesn't work that way you you take all the the athletic greats down through history, and you watch these guys on the football field or on the basketball court or knocking that hockey puck around. Man, they are fantastic. I could never do that. You watch this little, what's her name, Simone Biles? How does she do that? That's like superhuman. And that come on Judgment Day, none of that matters. It's only about Jesus on Judgment Day. And Paul is writing about his accolades, and he's saying it doesn't mean a thing. So, so, if I can get this through my head, I can stop worrying about accolades. That doesn't mean stop stop achieving. That's not what that means. It means don't depend on your achievements. 
Be educated. Read. Inform yourself. Get yourself trained in ways that will be helpful to you and your family and other people so you can produce fruit in this world. But the, the characteristics of Jesus are are mostly what we need. Peter writes about that. Uh, you add to your, and he has got a whole list of things you need to add to. And if these things are in you, it will make sure that you're not unfruitful in Jesus Christ our Lord. Bud? Uh, it tells us that the Romans, when they used to go out and have a big war, you know, and come back, the general would ride in a chariot. There was a little man that stood behind him. And he only repeated again and again and again. You are just a man. And that was that was that was his job to remind him, you know, you're not you're not everything that everybody thinks you are. Man, they should have done that for the Caesars. Yeah. Because <laughs> the Caesars got a little yeah. then as as Christians we look forward. And as Jews, they look forward hmm. to the next year. To the next year. But as Christians, we look forward one time and say, I see it. We got, we're going there. That's where we're going. Right. That's the difference. We see our faith in action reaching out to take hold of what we've been promised. They only see it as on this side of the hill <laughs> Maybe next year. Maybe we'll get there next year. You know. Right. There was, there was no end to it. Eternal. Paul was, was getting up close and personal here as he'd done before. He reminded everybody this is what I was before I met Christ, before Christ actually took the hold of my life. Mm-hmm. And he's saying that's what God's going to look at. He's going to look at that up close and personal, not what you feel. Right. He's because he's of the true circumcision, and that—that's all that matters is whether or not you're part of that true circumcision. And I agree with all of the what we should our, our accolades that we do in the world. His accolades seem to be in service to God. He seemed to say at one point he does say, "My conscience is clear." Mm-hmm. And I don't know if his true motive was, "I really believe I'm doing the right thing for God." Or if he was just building accolades, because government and religion was so intertwined. So I don't know if he was trying to do like we do today in our jobs and our winnings and whatever we do, or if he really was, I really believe I'm in service to God and found out it wasn't because of my motive and the things. Right. I'm not sure. If you think about it, all of that is part of that was his familiarity with the word, with the scriptures, with the very inspired writings that enabled him to now do what he's doing as he goes to preach Jesus to prove that he's the Christ through the Old Testament scriptures. Well, that comes from his background. But even that, he says, that's not what I'm counting on. That's the deal. That's not what I'm depending on. My accomplishments, even in the word of God, even in legitimate Judaism, none of that's it. I'm counting on Christ. That's what he says. That I may gain Christ, verse 8. 
Not that it was right. He wasn't trying to justify that. He was saying, well, you know, I was okay because I thought it was right. He was saying, this is what I've done. And I thought at the time, this was a wonderful thing. He said, until I found what the Lord wanted me to do, and then when I started doing that, I realized all that was for nothing. Right. And to me, this, this helps shed light on a passage that I struggled with a long time where Jesus said, if any man come after me and he doesn't hate his father and his mother. Now, what? What? Hate my mom? I thought you said honor your father and mother. But in this context, Paul says, I count all that as loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, when you put Christ at the forefront, everything else is lost. And, and when you look at your parents, and you think, well, I can't follow Jesus because of my parents. I've had people tell me that. I can't obey the gospel because my dad didn't didn't do it the way you're teaching me. He, he never was baptized. And so if I get baptized, that's putting the judgment on my God or my father. It's like, what? Really? You think God's going to, if your, if your dad is safe now with God and you allow yourself to be baptized, that's going to reflect on your, and your, now your dad's going to be lost. But, but what is happening is people are putting their parents in the place of Jesus. And that's, that's the idea that I think Jesus was getting at. You've got to, you've got to push them back in the sense that I am your only Savior. It's not your parents. It's not your grandparents. It's not your family. It's not your job. It's not your livelihood. It's not your smart. It's not your education. It's not your skills. It's not your abilities. It's me. It's me. And that's what we have to get into ourselves. Preston? Yeah, to me, really excellent thoughts. When you talked about the centurion and the irony and him viewing Christ, God in the flesh, and him coming to that conclusion, that pause, and then that moment, and then the, the depth of that moment, that conclusion should be what people see when they see us. Just like when the centurion said, truly, this is the Son of God. That's what we strive for. That's what makes us count. All this other stuff is lost. And, and then Jesus, I mean, he saw, forgive the Father if they know not what they do. He saw, I don't know if he heard, truly you shall be with me in paradise. What did that person have done? What was in the company? He was just forgiven. He just had the blood of Christ like you talked about. It. I mean, there are just so many visuals that go along with the teachings here that's just so impactful. It's... It's all right there. All right. Thank you so much for your kind attention tonight and all the good comments and observations. You make it a good class.